I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. Okay, as you know, I've been doing interviews. So today I have Shivam Bhatt. So say hello. Hello. So nice to be here. First time guest, long time listener. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay, so we're going to start where I always start with these interviews is how did you get into magic? Well, um, I got into magic the way most of the people who've been interviewed got into magic in middle school in my band class. In the back room of my band class in like seventh grade in 1994, I heard a friend of mine say, okay, well, I've got this dragon and he's going to breathe fire if I use all these mountains that I've got. And somebody said, well, I'm going to blast him with this water blast and he's going to go away. And I needed to know what was happening with dragons and water. And I went there and I saw two of my friends sitting there playing with like, I guess, revised in the dark at the time. And one had a Shivan dragon out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm into Dragonlance. I love dragons. This is amazing. I need to know what this is. And my friend was like, hey, look, it's got your name. And I looked and it said Shivan. And I'm like, they spelled my name wrong. What the heck? <laughs> and he's like, well, and I'm like, OK, well, if this is a red card, what is against this? I need to know. And he's like, well, he flipped the card over and he showed me the five colors on the back. And he said, reds opposites are blue and white. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to play blue and white. And uh, so my first deck was a blue-white control deck, which is the least me that possibly could be, all because Shivan Dragon spelled my name wrong. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play a red card for 15 years. Yeah, the, the funny thing I think is, I'm, is Richard was trying. Richard is just trying to come up with a name for a dragon, and I think he based it off Shiv, right? Yeah. So, so I actually uh, did research into that. Yeah. And basically, because Richard Garfield lived in Nepal for a time. And mm -hmm. so the main Hindu god in Nepal is Shiva, the uh, like you know god of destruction and yeah. stuff. And so Shiva is known for generating a lot of heat, which is why he lives up in the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. And so Richard Garfield took this idea of generating a lot of heat and used that to create the world of Shiv in Dominaria, mm -hmm. using it to make like the Shivan dragons and all of the other like Shivan fire and yeah. other cards that we've seen like that. So uh, since then, I've come to grow and appreciate that card. <laughs> but my start with it was uh, inauspicious to begin with. Okay, so you were in middle school. Yeah. Um, so is this something you did continuously? Like, did you play, like, how, what was your early magic experience like? So basically, uh, I started with the dark and with revised right around then. And we all got our decks and had our sea serpents and everything. And I played from middle school, so about seventh grade, 1994, through the end, through about when Weatherlight had come out. Because when Weatherlight came out, I was looking at this, and I was looking at Visions and Mirage, and my friends and I were like phasing and flanking. That's going to destroy the game forever. We're never going to play this again. And so we stopped kind of playing, and we moved on to playing D and D more and more RPGs. Mm -hmm. But then when I got to college, like I dabbled in other CCGs, and mm -hmm. um, you had started writing your column on uh, Daily MTG. And I was like, oh, you know, I go to Wizards every day for D&D &D stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'll just read this magic stuff and just kind of keep my fingers in it. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up reading your column. And that was my main interaction with magic for a long time mm -hmm. until about uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers came out. Because I was a hardcore Chandelar player back in 94, 95. And Duels of the Planeswalkers on my Xbox. And I'm like, oh, I can just sit and play magic again. I remember this game. This is free. Let me give it a try. And it was I was completely hooked from the second I touched it again. It reminded me of all the memories of my childhood. And then I flooded right back in. Then my friend took me to a draft. It was my first time ever drafting. It was for Rides of the Eldrazi. And wow. Rides of the Eldrazi is exactly <laughs> where you want to go when you're a first-time drafter. 
and we sat down and the first card I opened up is a card I've never seen before. It was Sarkin the Mad. So mm -hmm. it's a planeswalker. And I'm like, what the hell is a planeswalker? And why are all the cards negative? And so I played it and I thought it had summoning sickness because of course you play a card, it's got summoning sickness. Mm -hmm. And the person I was playing against killed it and told me like, you know, you could have just made dragons like right away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you're supposed to tell, tell me <laughs> these things. And so I stopped playing Magic because it got really hard really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you guys put out Innistrad. And what happened was in 2011 or so, mm -hmm. uh, I, like during the, um, the recession, I was recently unemployed from Sony and I was living in San Francisco and World Championships was happening in San Francisco. And all of you guys, you and Aaron Forsyth and, you know, BDM and all these big people were coming down to host this big event. And it was really close to me. And I was like, oh, you know, I've got nothing else to do on a random Wednesday. I might as well go. Mm -hmm. And they were having Innistrad drafts for $5. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I started playing. And Innistrad was a set that brought me back because I was like, oh, I love zombies and skeletons. And mm -hmm. look, this is a super flavorful set. It feels like magic from my childhood. There's no skate zombies. But what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And... I started just jamming drafts. And when you're at a Wednesday, I mean, when you're at Worlds on a Wednesday, the people you're playing against are like the national team of Finland or <laughs> the team Japan. And they're sitting there training for the actual tournament. And I'm like, this is my second time drafting. I'm looking through the cards and I'm just passing random cards. And they would turn to me like, why did you pass this Garrick? Why did you pass this, you know, guard? I'm like, I don't know what they do. I just wanted the pretty zombie, man. And they're looking at me like, you were just tanking my draft. <laughs> it was amazing. And so, that's where I got the bug to come back to Magic Hard because I had a dual deck that I had picked up at PAX and you were up there spell slinging. So I sat down with you and I was like, I'm going to sit and play Magic against the creator of Magic or whatever I thought at the time, yeah. the, the head designer. And I had my little Elspeth Soldier token deck and you just grabbed a random dual deck that they had and we started playing and you drew me a token of my soldiers that were being made every turn. Yeah. And I still have that token. And that token ended up being the genesis of, for my Tajik soldiers commander deck, mm -hmm. every single token has been hand drawn on a wizard's playtest card <laughs> by one of the members of R&D. All because of that one token that you gave me in 2011. So yeah. I've now got this whole collection of like 45 <laughs> of them. It's amazing. It, I think what happened real quick, the story behind that is, we were we were doing uh, spell slinging at, at, at Worlds and, um, we had these blink things, these blink, and I yeah. didn't know what to do with them. So I just, everybody, every time they would ever make a token, whether I made or somebody else made it, I would just draw it. And I was doing that all day long, and it entertained me to no end. Uh, and so, it, yeah, so it's, I'm happy to hear that it, it uh, had an impact. Yeah, it was amazing. It's, it's like one of those things that now when I go and sit and play against other people at uh, games, I fan out all my tokens, and they're just like, holy crap, that's Mon's Goblin Raiders, but he drew himself a Goblin Soldier token. And I'm like, yes, he did. And it's it's just really it's a cool way for people to like break the ice in a commander game and just you know get into it. It's really fun. Also, you can learn how badly I can draw. It's like a stick figure with a. With it's a, pretty recognizable. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's it. I, I've cornered the stick figure market. So I've not. I've learned that 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 is not the first time we met, right? No, actually, and because what happened is uh, when Unhinged came out, Unhinged was uh, previewed at Gen Con SoCal. And you were there in a donkey suit. And it was it looked like this just dusty, really gross rabbit suit that somebody must have pulled out of a closet or something. It was like the world's worst, saddest looking Halloween costume. And you were standing there watching these people play. And I'm like, who are you? He's like, uh, I'm, I'm Rosewater. I'm the designer of Magic. And I'm like, oh, I used to play that. That's really cool. I was reading up and I'm like, what's this Ravinka set? And you're like, Ravnica. And 
So you answered some questions about Ravnica. I took a picture with you in that bedraggled little suit. And then I was mm -hmm. just like, magic. It still exists. That's cool. <laughs> do you have that picture still? I do. Ah, it's so, on Twitter. I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, I would, love to, I would love to see that. Does, uh... It's really great. It's, it's one of those things where I was digging through some of my old Gen Con pictures. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I met Mark Rosewater way, way before I had any idea that I would actually have conversations with you later. Okay, so uh, you, you go to World 2011, that sort of, you meet Innistrad, it restores. So what, what happens at that point? So after, no, that world, by the way, was the same world that uh, Professor of Solarian Community College also came back at. Because yeah. me and him came back at the same store, same event for Ravnica, uh, for Innistrad pre-release. Mm -hmm. And we both came back to Magic at the exact same time. So that, I thought it was like, that event was very serendipitous. And um, I went and... I went home and I was talking to my friends about like, oh man, I found magic again and it's super fun. And on my message board, my friends were like, hey, you know what? We're playing this game called Commander. You should give it a try. And I'm like, what is Commander? It's like, mm -hmm. you can play all your favorite cards from your childhood, except in a pile of a hundred. And I'm like, all right, well, somebody just send me a deck. And we played by post on mm -hmm. a message board. Wow. So a friend sent me a text file of a deck. I would fire up, like I literally create a simulation of the deck and so it was kind of like, you know, playing chess by mail. Yeah. So I would type in like, you know, I play a forest, pass my turn. We would have to wait for everybody to pass their turn during taking priority and everything. A yeah. five-player game of Commander took three weeks Wow. Oh, to play. That's and it was my introduction to the format. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the way I want to play Magic forever. Like a play set of one is the best thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's like non-competitive. It was super relaxing and it let me express themes and flavor and just the vibe of magic that I wanted, the fantasy kind of, the color of magic that I loved in a way that wasn't competitive. And that's what I loved about it. And Commander is what, like, kept me in magic. Like, Duels of the Planeswalker brought me back, but Commander is what kept me. Okay, so you started getting into Commander. So did you eventually play with real people in, in person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I went out, like, you guys put out the, um, the pre-cons. And okay. I started buying those pre-cons and I went and I started playing Commander at my local store and with some friends. And one of my favorite cards from my childhood was a land from alliances called Keldoran Outpost, mm -hmm. which is a land that sacrifices the planes and then you can create soldier tokens. And I was like, I've always wanted to make a soldier token deck because, you know, I've got this soldier token from Mark Rosewater. And so I went and I built an entire deck based around this land using Tajik, which had just come out in the uh, Dragon's Maze set. Mm -hmm. from uh, Ravnica Block. And I built this whole deck around that and around Grimgrin, the Innistrad zombie that I had cracked in my first pre-release. So it ended up being like, these were my two decks. And I got totally hooked on playing EDH. And from there, like, I started, and right around then, you guys announced, like, you know, Origins and Kaladesh. And I started writing essays about, like, cultural representation and just, like, cultural, um, what's the word, influences on magic. And... I got invited to uh, join a podcast called Commanderin, mm -hmm. which was, uh, for a time, one of the top-rated and most well-known Commander podcasts. And I was on there for about four or five years, and so I played thousands of games of Commander since then. And um, after that show, I got invited by Sheldon Mennery to join the Commander Advisory Group to be a group of players and uh, you know community members who help make the Commander rules. And that's kind of where I am now, having... Like ruling, making judgment over Commander for thousands and thousands of people 
based on a game that I built off of a land that I played on a message board. So, so let's talk a little bit about what that is. So what, what does that mean exactly? What is the advisory? What, what do you do? What, what is so, Sure. So the, the Rules Committee of Commanders is four people, uh, Sheldon Mennery and friend, uh, Scott Larrabee. Um, God, they're all going to kill me for blanking on their names. But what happened is they had been four older guys who had been playing Commander since forever. Obviously, they created the format. And they were getting accused of things like, we're in an ivory tower. We don't have a lot of reach and exposure. A lot of people don't even know who the Rules Committee is. And they're like, if we got the committee, uh, the community to join us and to give us advice on what people are doing with Commander in the real world, mm-hmm. like, what are people playing? What are the problems people are seeing? How are people playing the game? Then Commander would be a more robust firm- format. As you well know, Commander is obviously the most popular way to play Magic right now. That isn't just these are the cards I own, mm-hmm. right? The most popular formalized way. Yeah, formalized format, yeah. Yeah. And so in doing that, they wanted to make sure that it stayed a format that people felt connected to and that didn't feel like was not was ignoring their needs, right? Mm-hmm. So they got Josh Lee Kwai, they got me, they got Rachel Agnes, um, and some other folks like Adam Staborski and um, Charlotte uh the judge whose last name I can never remember, but um, we all got together and we joined to form this advisory group to be able to give the rules committee help and kind of advice in how to make commander work. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily that we were making the rules. It's not that we are like, we don't get to vote on what cards are banned, but we sit there and say like, you know what? Paradox engine is a big problem in magic and it's ruining a lot of casual tables. Maybe we want to talk about that or Hey, in high level competitive play, we're having problems with, you know, flash. Maybe we want to discuss that and take care of that problem. And these are things that the rules committee might have discovered on their own, mm-hmm. but we being the advisors, having a broader reach and having a broader audience can bring these problems to them sooner so that we can make sure that commander is much more of a, um, it's much more reflective of what the people want it to be. All right. And um, so I, I do this when I, I've been, one of the things I've been doing is trying to get people exposed to different parts of magic. So to someone who's never played commander, what's your elevator pitch? What's your under a minute pitch to why commander is the way a great format? Okay. So in commander, imagine that you have taken an army you are a wizard who is on a plane fighting a battle, but you can't fight this battle alone until so you've brought a general along with you. This general has their army consisting of their colors, the people that they reflect the best. And they've brought on all their greatest spells, all their greatest creatures from the entire history of the multiverse, all 80,000 cards or whatever that exist in the 25-year history of magic. You have brought them together onto this field of battle in order to take on this whole host of enemies that have come before you in this massively casual multiplayer game where things can be as swingy as I have 12,000 life and you still beat me by using uh, villainous wealth on my deck to mill me for 800 cards. You know, if you imagine magic as its wildest, swingiest, most explosive, most like enticing, that's what Commander is. We're not talking about stone-faced folks sitting at a table staring silently at each other while they worry about that 23rd card in their draft or about their 14th card in their sideboard. We're talking about whatever answers you have in your 100 cards that do the most insane bananas things you can imagine while sitting and having a great time with your friends. That's what you do in Commander. Yeah, one of the things that I uh, appreciate about Commander is I've always been a big fan of the the social aspect of the game. Um, mm. Obviously, I'm the champion of the, of the un, un sets, which are about as far away as competitive magic as you get. Um, 
But like, I, I really enjoy the idea of, hey, yes, if you like competitive magic, that exists. If you if you really want to test yourself and see what you're capable of, look, magic has, we have a whole pro tour system and stuff. We have ways to do that. You know, down to your local store, they run tournaments and stuff. But I really appreciate that, like, hey, if I like hanging with my friends, you know, if what makes magic a great game for me is the interaction I get, is is the amazing moments that happen, you know, that I think Commander does a really, really good job of being that. Exactly. For me, the way command, the way I look at Commander is that Commander is about, um, Commander is basically, we're spending two hours together hanging out. Commander is the means by which we are doing so. It's like a board game night. It's like hanging out with your friends to watch the, you know, the football game or whatever. But we're doing it over magic, you know. And for me, like, because when you're playing like, uh, you know, more like a hardcore, like more standard or modern or something like that, you have to pay attention to what the cards are doing. You have to pay attention to what's actually going on in the game. In Commander, it's a lot more relaxed. You can sit and be like, you know what? I'm going to talk to my friends. We're going to just shoot the crap about the whole day. And then when it's my turn, I can take my turn. Or if you do something, it's super casual and be like, oh, hang on, I have a response. And nobody worries. There's not a lot of like tension about what's going on. For me, it's just like the, because my understanding of magic, when I started playing back in middle school, we would have things like in my, in my school, after school, there would be 12 of us playing massively multiplayer 12 player games. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be insane. And it would just be a bunch of friends hanging out and playing magic. And that's what Commander reminds me of what magic felt like when I was just starting, which is kind of why like, and plus I want to play magic to hang out with people. Like I run a podcast called casual magic because I want to talk about the fun side of just like hanging out. This like magic should be about playing with your friends, not always about playing with somebody that you never see again. Right. Like I, I just have very strong feelings that like commander helps facilitate social magic. And I love it. Okay. So let's, let's, you, you mentioned your podcast. So let's move on a little bit talking about doing a podcast. Um, ah. So you are a podcaster, I, as am I, since we're on a podcast. But um, so, what what is it like doing a podcast? I'm sort of what is the uh, what are the behind the scenes of doing a podcast that people don't aren't really aware of? So a lot of the things about being a podcast is like you get on the phone, and, or at least for me, I'm on a chat with somebody who I'm interviewing. If I've got a guest, or if I'm just doing it myself, I talk into a microphone for about an hour about magic. But then there's the eight hours that follow it of sitting in audacity, cutting out all the ums and uhs, moving all the breath spaces apart, making sure that there's, you know, spaces for sponsor breaks, making sure my intro and extra music can go on, polishing it out so that it doesn't sound like I'm talking into a tin can and, you know, from 400 miles away. Um, it's just, so my background is when I was working at, at Sony PlayStation, I used to make trailers for them for movies and for video games. So, um, that polish that came along with having to be professional level, making a commercial that's going to run in the Super Bowl mm -hmm. means that when I'm doing my casual podcast, talking about, you know, a lot of war elves, I still need to sit there and make sure that it's as polished as I can get it. And that's sometimes a lot of trouble. And sometimes it takes a very long time. But um, I don't know. It's just, it's so much fun because like, I just like to be able to explore sides of magic that people don't get to talk about. Or like, you know, one thing that we have problems with as content creators is that we get pigeonholed into like, oh, I'm the modern guy. All I talk about is modern. Yeah, but if you're a magic player, you're not just playing modern. You're playing everything, right? Like magic players all play a lot of different formats. There are some folks who are specialists, mm -hmm. but there's some folks who are like, yeah, like, like you hear this when Josh and Jimmy talk. They're like, 
we love Commander. We are the command zone. But also, we play a lot of draft. And sometimes when they do draft videos, people get really mad. They're like, you're the command zone. How dare you play anything but Commander? Mm-hmm. So I opened my podcast up so that people who are like, oh, you know what? I talk about modern on my show all the time. But I really, really want to talk about chaos drafting. So come on my show. Let's talk about chaos draft, you know? And yeah. Do you, 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 you don't get too pigeonholed? And, and like, or do you think your podcast is broad enough that people can expect anything from it? I, I set it up with the expectation that, look, I'm going to talk about Commander, but I'm also going to talk about Unstable. I'm going to talk about Jumpstart. I'm going to talk about Conspiracy. Or, like, I did an entire episode on elves in every format, right? Just because I don't care. It's magic. Magic is about the broad range of everything we can do. And I think that's just, it's so much fun because every set that comes out, every card that comes out is a new vector to approach the game. And I think, like, I'm sure I could do an entire episode just on Thopters, for instance, of, like, Ornithopter going from the first set all the way to, like, you know, making Thopters in Commander with Brea. I don't know. It's just, it's super fun. I think there's so much to explore and so much to do that just sticking yourself to a format specific is doing yourself a disservice. Uh, so where can people find your podcast if they want to listen to your podcast? Uh, you can go to casualmagic. Uh, lipson.com and you'll find it there. Or if you just Google Casual Magic on, like, uh, iTunes or Spotify or what have you. And uh, it's basically everywhere that you can get to except for um, YouTube. Okay, so also you talked about writing. So how long did you write something? Or do you still write? <laughs> well, I mean, I was an English major for training and I was a magazine editor as a job profession for about a decade uh, working in video games and stuff. So I've written a lot. And one of the other things is that I'm a Hindu priest. So when I when Kaladesh is coming out, I'm like, oh, here's an intersection of magic, writing, and Hinduism that I can talk about. Yes. <laughs> and so I started writing like long essays on Tumblr about like, hey, look at this uh, sample art that they gave us. Let me tell you everything that's going on in this artwork. Where are the influences are? What are they going to do? And um, that's just kind of for like the past five years or so, I've been writing a lot about just like uh, kind of the cultural expect like explorations of magic mm-hmm. and the like aspects of stuff that like, look, I'm not a competitive player. I don't know anything about strategy. Don't come to me to find out the latest in the meta, but you come to me if you want to know why this artwork has this cool nod to the like Sahili Rai that was put out on the commander precon. Mm-hmm. There was a Sahili for the two color uh, artifact deck from about two years ago. Yeah. And she was in this pose that is a very specific dancer pose from uh, Bharatanatyam, the National Dance of India. Mm-hmm. And so I did a whole long Tumblr post explaining exactly her costuming, what these angles mean, and how this was kind of like reflected in the art of Kaladesh. And it was just really cool. I thought it was, I mean, other people thought it was fun too, but I really like just exploring that side of magic. Now, I know you, you, do, you do you enjoy exploring stuff outside of sort of your, your, your personal heritage? Do you like sort of oh, like... Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so like... like Oh, go ahead. No, you. what were you going? Well, I'm just sort of curious, like, when we... One of the things that we do on our end is we like to bounce around worlds, right? And we of like... Um, every world we go to, there's some real-world element to it just because it's based on something. Yeah, um, exactly. Sometimes it's top-down. Like, sometimes it's top-down where, look, we're doing Greek mythology, and very loudly it's Greek mythology. Sure. Other times, like, Ravnica was doing a lot of Eastern Europe, but it wasn't... We weren't loud in Eastern Europe. It's just... It, it's this thing, and if you yeah. happen to know that... Um, and so it's... Every single world has some real-world underpinning sure. to it just because we have to build on something as a, a jumping-off point. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like... I, I was a, I'm a big fan of world history and of language and of linguistics beyond just my own. And so I'm trying also not to be just pigeonholed as, oh, there's the guy to talk about for Indian things. Like, I loved Eldraine. 
because in Eldraine, Arthurian mythology is one of my favorite just genres of like cycles of literature. Mm. So I was super excited to see the questing beast as a legendary creature. Yeah. I was super excited to see, you know, Excalibur and all of these just like things. I was really sad that I didn't get to see Gawain and the Green Knight, but you know, what are you going to do? We had the green, by the way, we had the Green Knight in the file for a while. And the problem was Arthurians in this weird place where not enough people really know it. Like they know, people oh. know the real low hanging fruit of it. And we sure. go up just a little bit. They just don't know it as much. I, yeah, but I, when I you're think... like a devoted nerd of Arthurian mythology, it's like, oh no, give me my Green Knight. When, but when we, if we go back to Eldraine, we we had a Green Knight. I'm surprised <laughs> it didn't stay. We had it for a while. Uh, I, I think it just got bummed for. Like, it's one of those things that the the people that we put the set together are always sort of trying to find space for things, and it's like, oh, we have to have Excalibur, but oh, we need this thing. Uh, who's going to miss the Green Knight? And of course, you're going to miss the Green Knight. No, I'm going to miss it, like. I'm the guy who you put the hundred hand one in a Theros for. Yes, yes. Right? Like when you put those exact specific, very tiny nods to cultural things from all these cultures, I'm like that target audience for that. I love it when we see all these little, little nods. Like, cause Arabian Nights was still available when I started playing Magic. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those like first times I've seen, you know, people who look like me in a game. And so it was really, really fascinating and cool, like to see Suleiman or like all the Ifrits and Jinns. Mm-hmm. And it just I was so thrilled that fantasy had opened up to this, like, you know, real world sources. And so I'm, I was like really sad when magic moved away from that into hard fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love hard fantasy, but I was glad to see that we're making some steps back mm-hmm. into more like inspirational takings from real cultures. Cause I think that there's so many cool stories that we tell that can make really cool magic cards. I don't know. I, this sort of thing excites me a lot. No, 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 I mean, so one of the things that I do is we have to plan ahead. Like, we have to figure oh, yeah. out where we're going, you know, years from now. Um, and a lot of that is talking about, right, where can we find... And sometimes the influences are mechanical, but a lot yeah. of times it's it's sort of flavorful. And sometimes it's like, we have an awesome world. What? Give me some mechanics. We don't know what to do with it, but this is an awesome <laughs> world. And sometimes it's like... I have cool mechanics. I'm not sure what to do with that, you know, and it's a matter of marrying those things so that you can find the perfect marriage of this mechanic and this um, sort of world. Yeah, like, sometimes that works, and sometimes that does leave a little bit of a weird feeling, right? Like, I mean, Kaladesh was mechanically my favorite world of all time, and then top-down, I was just like, oh, this is such a almost but not quite, and it ended up feeling really weirdly hollow. Yeah. But then you guys moved forward and took the lesson from that and did things like Ixalan, which had more of a, you know, a real feel to it. And like other settings since then, Eldraine has more of like a rounded feel to it. So I'm hoping that there's a better way to integrate. We have great mechanics. We need a world and we have a great world and we need mechanics that makes it feel more cohesive going through. Yeah, sometimes We don't want it to be like Kamigawa, right? Where it was just like, I love Kamigawa because I, lived in Japan. I speak Japanese. I'm big into the true Japanese mythology, but like it felt mechanically, like it was just kind of globbed onto this great world. Yeah. And I think that, I think you guys have gotten a lot better about being able to integrate and there's still places to go, but I'm excited to see. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we're behind the scenes for people to know is we're trying to do more and more with getting experts in the areas that we're messing around with so that we, (laughs) we, uh, obviously, we, we've had areas where we've not been as good as we can, and so we are trying very hard to make sure that, that people who are more experts in the thing have some input and, and that we understand what we're building, what we're making. And I yeah. think that's important. 
I mean, I think it'll make it for a better game too. Like it gives you more because when you have a better understanding of the world or stuff that you're talking about, then you have interesting hooks that you can build mechanics around or that you can find a cooler mechanical match for. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, there's like, I think Theros is the gold standard. Theros and like Amonkhet are so fantastically well realized worlds that give you this influence of where you're coming from while also respecting like you, you've still got a game of magic. You've still got the, the workings of magic and it worked really well but like the gods and stuff that were in Amonkhet were so cool mm-hmm. and felt so like taken from this like Egyptian mythos and it just it was awesome like I hope we can see more stuff like that like I mean what you got to do with Kaya for instance was fantastic so more of that we're, we're, we're working on that I mean like I said the uh, um, it, in some ways when you start with the world and then you build mechanics it's a little bit easier than when you start mechanics and then you build the world. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to sort of meet them in the middle so we, we, we have more back and forth. I mean, as you like to say, magic is a hungry beast. So yes. you're going to have a whole lot of inspirations you're going to need to find because there's got to be threats for the next umpteen million years. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There's no... Like I said, I, I can see... I, I, I know the future, so... Um, <laughs> the, let, let's just say there's some some uh, real-world inspirations coming and we're we're working very hard and, and right getting getting the experts and stuff. So anyway, I hope hopefully people will be happy when they see it, so... Um, yeah. So I'm I'm almost I'm almost to to work here. Um, do you have any last thoughts? Any last thoughts about Magic Commander? What, what, what? Okay. So one of the things about that we're living right now in quarantine times, and one of the best things to come out of quarantine times has been that there's this huge community of people playing Magic over webcam, over Zoom, over Discord. We've all gotten together. We're sitting there playing Commander at our tables over a webcam, hanging out with each other, playing over Twitch, and it just warms my heart so much that even in a time when we are supposed to be socially distant, not near any of our friends, we can still find a way to play magic in person with each other, even if through a distance, through webcams. Well, anyway, uh, Shiva, I want to thank you for being here. This has been a lot of fun. Um, but I have gotten to my desk. So we all know <laughs> what that means. Uh, this is uh, the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So Shiva, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And guys, I will... Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, so guys, I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.